You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Uh, We are on our second week of our brand new series, Road Trip, Summer Road Trip. And uh, what we're doing is we're going through, we're journeying through the different uh, pillars, if you will, uh, of things that are that we think are very vital to who we are as a community of believers, specifically here at Discovery. And uh, so, so we uh, we believe that that I believe that God placed Discovery in Roner Park for a reason, for a purpose, not just so that we can come together and do kumbaya and and huddle around and wait till Jesus comes back, but we believe that God established us here in Rona Park so that we can take the message of Jesus outside of these four walls and, and make a difference in our city. And so, so we, we're just journeying through this, this place of, of where we're at to where I believe God has called us to be. How many of y'all know that sometimes we're, we don't just show up where God wants us to be, that it's a process and it's a journey. And so uh, you may not, I know for me at least, I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not where I was. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. And so, um, so we, our theme verse for today is uh, found in uh, Numbers chapter 9. It's perhaps the longest road trip known to men. It's done by Israel, God's, uh, God's people, God's children. And um, they are on a 40-year journey, 40-year road trip, 40 years of hearing, are we there yet? <laughs> My God. And so, so here, here's what I love about the journey is that they stopped, they started and they stopped, not based off of their emotion, but they were led by God. And, and so on this journey that we are on as a church, our goal is, is to, to move and stop as God tells us to as a church. And so, so here's the verse, uh, Numbers chapter 9, verse 22 Whether the cloud, so God showed up in the form of a cloud. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So we want to have that same mindset that as we're moving and journeying to where God has us, that we would be be receptive to, to his flow in his heartbeat of what we're doing. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. God, I thank you uh, so much for this opportunity for us to be here this morning. God, I pray that, uh, that you would help us to, to get something out of what you want to say. Uh, God, we want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. God, we, we, we are aware that you are present here right now. And so would you just, uh, would you just help us to lean in to what uh, you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone say amen, amen. amen. So uh, last week I, I told you about my incident of working out then going to Taco Bell. Uh, but but, but what, you, what I didn't tell you and what you probably should, I should have started with is that um, working out does not come easy to me. Some people enjoy working out. Can you believe that? It's insane. But some people like working out. Some people, uh, they, 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 like to, they like to get in shape. Uh, um, I, it's, it doesn't come easy for me. And so anytime that I have an opportunity to, um, to work out, I, I'm hesitant, but, but I, I try. So I, I preface with this, with that. And, and the other, maybe, maybe it's been a year now, 
uh, my wife's boss, uh, she, she works at a physical therapy office. Uh, her, her boss co-owns a gym, and he's replacing all of the equipment at the gym, and he asks my wife, would you like an elliptical machine? My wife's like, I don't know. She, she calls me. She's like, babe, do you, do you want to get an elliptical machine? I was like, yeah, of course. Like, it just seemed like a great idea, right? I, and, but, but it's funny because I have people tell me, they were like, hey, don't do it. You're just going to throw stuff on there. It's just going to be like a rack, you know, to, hey, don't do it. You're never, you're never going to use it. And I said, shut up. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought that. I was like, I don't even want it. Like, I will use it. And so for the first week and a half, every night, my kids went to bed, my wife went to bed. I'm in my garage, and I'm like, sweating and, and just, just, just enjoying. Like, I don't like working out, but I like sweating, right? And so, so for the first week and a half, here I am. I'm doing it. After the week and a half, I noticed there was a decline in my um, enthusiasm to work out. I, I started getting uh, into the, uh, to my garage after the week and a half, and, and I would go for like a minute and a half, and I'm like, I just want popcorn, right? <laughs> like, like, and so I get off the elliptical, I go in my house, and, and I'm doing, and then pretty soon I'm not even going in the garage. And in that moment, I realized the problem was is I need some motivation. But there was no one around me. So then I started motivating myself. I don't know for those of you that work out if you ever yell at yourself, but I began yelling at myself in the garage like I want to quit. Don't quit! <laughs> Keep going! My wife comes out, are you okay, babe? Leave me alone! Like, <laughs> like it's bad. It's very bad. Pretty soon, like even me yelling at myself was not doing the trick. And uh, so eventually, fast forward, I realized that I had to, I had to be around people that could, uh, that could encourage me. So I went to the gym. And so now I'm, when I go to the gym and I'm on my elliptical, if I want to quit, I don't because I'm looking at the person next to me who's been on the elliptical for 30 minutes and I've only been on there for a minute and a half and I'm like, oh, I can't let. And I just keep going. And I'm just like, ah, 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 and I just do it. I don't even talk to the person next to me. And yet somehow this person next to me draws the greatness out of me. Uh, there's a guy in the church, Ula. He, he's a big Simone worship leader this year. Um, he, I don't work out with him a lot for good reason. But I, there's a couple times I have worked out with him. And I love him because when I'm like done and I'm tired, he's like, no, don't quit. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, just don't hurt me, right? Like, I can't push anymore. You better push it. Okay, right? And I think about just this in, in the form of working out, but how vital having someone with you in the process of growing is necessary. Like, you and I, we need people in our lives to draw the greatness, come on, out of us. See, a lot of the times we try to do it for ourselves, by ourselves, but what, what I've discovered is that 
when you try to grow and to stretch by yourself, once you hit your pain threshold, you're not willing to pass, push past it. You need someone in your life to be like, hey, I think there's more inside of you. Come on, let's keep going. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about one of our core values, uh, the core value of community. We have the definition of community here on the screen. It's transformation doesn't happen in crowds of hundreds, but in relationships of few. Watch this. Growth is a result of understanding that we are truly better together. Listen, I truly believe 100% that I am better because of you, and I really hope that you are better because of me. Like, we need each other to draw the greatness out of, out of one another. And so at Discovery, we place community at a high level. In fact, we went bowling last week. Some of you came, some of you didn't. But, but for those that came, like, we enjoyed ourselves. We hung out, we bowled. We didn't do anything spiritual. We didn't, we didn't sing, we didn't pray. Like, we bowled and had fun, and, and it was amazing. Why? Because we hold community to such a, a high value. This idea, again, that you and I, that we, we draw greatness out of each other. The Bible actually talks about it too in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 27. Very famous verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So it's this idea that you have the ability to sharpen somebody, to make them better. They have the opportunity and ability to make you better, but I think it works in the opposite way too. You have the opportunity to make someone's blade dull, and they have the opportunity to make you dull. And so in this process of community, uh, I think a person that modeled community fabulously is Jesus. You look all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus always surrounded himself with community. There were always people around Jesus when he was doing life. Even when he was sleeping, there were people on the boat with him, right above the ship with him. Even when Jesus went to pray, there were still people there waiting for him. He always had people around him. And I think that's because Jesus understood and he knew the value and the significance of community. But one thing that, also, that I believe Jesus also modeled for us, and this is, this is vital, I believe, to, to relationships and to community, and it's this. Jesus modeled this, that he was uh, cordial with the crowds, but he was transparent with his tribe. I'll say that again. He was cordial to the crowds, but he was transparent with the tribe, with his tribe, his tribe being his disciples. John, what are you, what are you saying? I'm basically saying this, that, that in the community, in the, the realm of Jesus understanding community, he also understood that not all community, not all relationships are created equal. I think if we're not careful, we will treat all relationships, all community as the same. But not all people are good for your life. Not all people are good for my life. And, and, and the hardest thing about that, uh, of, of being able to differentiate between good uh, people who, who help you grow and people who suck the life out of you, is that for a lot of the times, it's hard to identify those people that draw the life out of you. 
It's hard to, it's hard to identify those people that, that really are not helping you grow as a person. It's easy to, it's hard to, to, to identify the people who, who, are, who aren't getting you to where you need to be. But Jesus understood that this idea that not all relationships, not all communities is created equal. There, there's, you have a group of people who uh, they, they just, they suck the life out of, out of you, out of who you are as a person. They, they try to sidetrack you from going to where you believe God wants you to be. They, 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 these people, they put a barrier onto the greatness that God has placed inside of you. Let's pause real quick. If you're here for the first time, you, you gotta understand that I believe that when God created you, that he placed greatness inside of you. That there's no one here that's by accident. That there's no one here that's not created with a purpose. That, that he created each and every single person in here for a purpose, for a reason. But when you got the wrong people in your life, it, it limits the greatness that's inside of you. And so we have a group of people, the crowd, the people that, 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 that suck the life out of you. But then there's also good people. Uh, people, excuse me, I don't like that phrase, good people. Everyone's just. And then you also have people over here who, 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 who draw, who pull out the greatness. Who, 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 who can walk alongside of you and. And they understand what God has for you. And they understand that you were created for a purpose. And they understand that you were created for a reason. And they understand that, that you're not fully tapped into all that God has for you. And these people, they come alongside of you. And when you want to quit, they say, shut up. When you want to give up, they're like, hey, God's not done with you. When you want to throw in the towel, there's, these are the people that are like, not yet. When you want to just lay down, these are the people who are like, hey, come on, I, I know that you can do this. These are the people that pour life into you. And, and we have to be, able to, uh, to, to be able to identify these two groups. We have to begin to identify these two communities because the last thing that you want to do, the last thing that I want to do is to become transparent with the wrong people. The last thing I want to do is begin to tell people what I struggle with, to tell people what I need prayer for, to tell people what I'm doubting. I don't want to tell the wrong crowd that because the wrong crowd will turn my, 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 failing, my failures and my shortcomings and the things that I struggle with, they'll turn it against me. And so I have to make sure that I understand who's who I got to understand who I need to be transparent with, that I need to be transparent with the right people. See, because the wrong people will get you to question the right things. I'll say that again. The wrong people will get you to question the right things. And so you got to understand and identify that in not, not all relationships, not all community is created equally. And if you, uh, if you begin to become transparent with the wrong group, something can happen. And, and this is the second core value that I want us to talk about today, that the, the thing really that, um, that, that can demolish community, and that's unity. 
unity. Community is non-existent without unity. In fact, I'm about to blow your mind. You can't even spell community without unity. That's a mic drop moment. Like, in order for community to be existent, you got to have unity in it. And so I want to talk to you about unity for a little bit. But luckily for you, unity is also a core value at Discovery. Let's read that. They'll put it on screen. I love this one because this one shows that we got a little fire. We a little testy over here. It says, we will fight to protect the purpose and vision of the house. Therefore, watch this. The poisons of gossip, hello, discord, hello, and division are not welcome here. I don't know if there's anything that's more bold, bigger statement than that. I'm going to read it again because it gives me goosebumps. We will fight to protect the purpose and vision of the house. Therefore, the poisons of gossip, discord, and division are not welcome here. Community, community is vital for growth. We understand that. We just talked about that. But guess what? I believe that if we understand the significance of community, so does the enemy. If we understand that community helps grow me and helps draw the greatness out of me, guess what? So does the enemy. He understands that that community that, that, that for you to get to where you're at, you need to have community, and so he will do everything that he possibly can to wedge division in your community. He'll do everything that he can to wedge uh, discord in your community so that, so that your community, your, 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 the people needed to grow Scatter. Come on, unity is vital to what we're trying to do as an individual, to where God wants us to go. And so, so if, if the enemy understands that, that, that community is vital and he wedges division, messes with our unity, how does he do that? And I think the biggest way is that he begins to mess with your heart. He messes, he messes with your corazon. What? Boy going all Mexican up in here. <laughs> he begins messing with you, with your heart, and who you are as an individual. We actually see this within the tribe that Jesus had, Right? So, so here's Jesus, he had his 12 disciples, but there was one that we read about who, who allowed the enemy to get a foothold in his heart. And within that community of Jesus' disciples, this guy Judas shoved a wedge of division in the community. I want to read to you uh, the verse in, in Matthew chapter 26. It says this, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, 
How much will you pay me? Golly, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? Just think about that. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Verse 16. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So scripture tells us that upon Judas arriving at the high priest, what we see in the account, I believe it's in the gospel of Luke, it says that Satan entered Judas. So, it's, it, so Judas, there's something that drove Judas to the high priest. And in that moment, uh, Satan planted something inside of Judas's heart that caused him to follow through with what he was about to do. And, and, and then I th- I'm thinking about, about this and, and this idea of how, how like this was a community of Jesus, like the closest people to Jesus, and yet unity was still able to be hijacked. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, my God, like if this could happen to Jesus' tribe, it could happen to anybody. If division could happen within Jesus' 12, it could happen with me and you and you and your neighbor. It shows no partiality. And so here is Judas. He arrives at the doorstep of, 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 of the, the, the lead um, the, the lead, the high priest, and, and, um, and, and the Bible says that, <clears throat> Scripture says that, that, that Satan entered Judas, this idea that he started tugging on Judas's heart, on a couple, couple of things that, that was in Judas's heart. And, and what I want us to do for the next, the last moments that we have together, I, I want to I talk about three things that, uh, that I believe that if we don't begin to put into check in our own lives, that, that it can begin to wedge division in your personal life, your work life, here at Discovery. And so I, I want us to identify uh, these things and, and, and also to understand that like these three things that we're going to talk about, these are things that that just come easy to us as human beings. And that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, because our flesh is, it's just, it, it draws us to these, to these things and to act in, in certain ways. And so I want to give you three, I believe it says three seeds on your notes, and, but the, these are the, the three things. And, and so he, here's the first one that I want to identify is this, frustration. Frustration. Verse 14 said, Then Judas, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest. Went to the leading priest. Now, I know that it says that, that Satan entered Judas, and I think that helped propel Judas to what he was about to do. But there was something that brought Judas to the doorstep of the lead priest. 
There was something that drew, that, that drew Judas to want to see what he can get for betraying Jesus. I don't know for a fact, but, but I wonder if it was because he just became frustrated. He became frustrated with his tribe. Like, I wonder if he was like, oh, Peter's so annoying. He always thinks he knows everything. Ah! <laughs> oh. I, I wonder if, I wonder if Judas got, became frustrated with John. He's like, oh, John, he's so, I can't believe him. All he says is, I'm Jesus' beloved. Oh. Why does he have to rub it in? Like, what if, he, like, what if something is being, if Judas is becoming frustrated with something? What if Judas is like, ah, oh, Jesus, he's so bossy. Go get me two fish. Go get me five loaves. Go get me this donkey. Ooh, look at me, I'm walking on water. I don't care. <laughs> like what, what if Judas became frustrated? And that frustration led him to be transparent with the wrong people. See, when, when you're frustrated, it leads you to act. I don't think that, I don't think frustration in itself is what causes division. I think it's what you choose to do with the frustration is what causes division. And, and so if you're frustrated and you bring it to the wrong people, the wrong people will give you the wrong advice. When you go to the wrong people and you don't identify your relationships clearly, you're going to take your frustration and you're going to go over here and you're going to be like, oh, my boss, he's just so annoying. He keeps telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't stand him. And the wrong people, what they'll do is they'll add fuel to the fire. They'll be like, yeah, you're right. Your boss shouldn't be telling you what to do. The wrong people, they're adding fuel to that flame. They're like, yeah, you know what? Your boss doesn't deserve you. You, you, you need to find something else. Your boss, that bo oh, I don't even like him now. See, the wrong people, when you're transparent with the wrong people, they'll give you the wrong advice. And so when you're frustrated, you got to be able to go to the right people so they can give you the right advice. And the right advice typically goes something like this. Oh, you're frustrated, are you? Yeah, I can't stand him. That pastor. <laughs> Come on. The right people, they're not going to add fuel. They're going to add water to the flame. And, and what they're going to do is they're going to be like, hey, you should probably go talk to him. If you got a problem with, with that person, you, you don't like your body. Hey, you should probably tell your boss. Instead of being frustrated and going to the wrong people and it's spreading, come on. Come on. In community, we got to fight for the unity. At your workplace, in your marriage, with your kids, at church. We all get frustrated. We just got to know what to do with our frustration. 
so it doesn't end up burning down the house. Come on, somebody. And so the first thing that we got to identify within our hearts is frustration. Because if we don't deal with the frustration, man, it'll just grow. And it'll grow. And it'll grow. The second thing that we got to identify is selfishness. You can say selfishness, greed, pride, choose your, choose your own adventure here at Discovery. Judas says this. He, he gets to the, the high priest and he says, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus? How much will you betray me to pay Jesus? See, he, he, here's what Judas is doing in the moment is that he, he's taken, he, he's wanting to figure out a monetary gain that he can get, even if it means it's going to cost him, cost other people something. So in this moment, when Ju- Judas is asking, what, can, what will you give me to betray Jesus? Really what he's showing us is a, is a, is, is a piece of selfishness, is this idea of like, hey, I want to get something out of this, and I don't care if it affects the community that I'm already part of. See, unity, or excuse me, community, there's a wedge gets shoved into community. It ruins unity when we begin to put our needs ahead of the groups, ahead of the relationships. And I know that's hard to, to, to embrace. Like that might be like a amen. But it's one of those things that it's really hard to do. It's hard to put other people in front of me. I'm firstborn. By my nature, it's all about me. Come on. All the firstborns in here. Holla if you hear me. Here we go. It's, it, it's against everything inside of us to want to put other people first. In fact, you might even be sitting here this morning and you're like, John, I don't even agree with you. But Jesus did it. Jesus modeled it. And here's what I, I think is that as you draw closer to Jesus and as you draw closer to what he has for you and, and as you draw closer to to laying yourself down and just saying, Jesus, I'm placing myself under you, I think the easier it becomes. The easier it is to be like, Jesus, you did, you laid, you put others before you so much that you were willing to die on a cross. It's crazy. And so, so selfishness, if, if we don't begin to identify selfishness in our hearts, we'll begin to want to put ourselves first, our priorities first, our needs first. But I, as I said earlier, I think that's counter to Christ's mindset. So we've got we to learn to identify when I'm feeling selfish. God, would you help me? Would you check my heart? God, would you remove those things from my... Like, I don't want to be selfish. 
Help me to not be selfish. And so, so we're talking about three seeds that, 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 that grow into division in your community. The first one, frustration. The second one, selfishness. And the third one is offense. Offense. Verse 16, it starts off, from that time on. From that time on, Judas looked for opportunities to betray Jesus. Those four words, I think, are critical to understanding how offense works. From that, from that time on. See, here's what offense is. It's a hurt that you haven't acknowledged yet. And when you don't acknowledge it, you just become more and more bitter. And then it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And then all of a sudden, that, that little hurt of someone not saying hi to you, or whatever it is, something super small, super. When that little hurt is not addressed, it grows. Pretty soon, like you, like you can't even stand that person. Sometimes you don't even remember why. All you know is that I'm offended by them and that's all. Hmm. Offense. From that time on, being offended, it grows. There is a, there is a, there's a seed period, and if you don't address it, there's a growth period. And it grows and grows and grows. And it will consume you, it'll consume me. It'll throw a wedge in between community. Hijacking the unity of what God has for you to do and what he has for you. And so being offended, it leads you to do one of three things. Uh, when you're offended, you'll either, uh, you'll blow up. right? Not like literally, of course, but... But like you'll, you'll hold it in so much. Finally, you're hanging out with that person that offended you that you never told them that they offended you. And you're just having coffee at Starbucks and you're like, I can't stand you. And you're like, what the heck? Where did that come from? You either blow up. Uh, the second response to, to uh, being offended is uh, you begin to tell other people how you are offended. You will not believe what so-and-so did to me. Like, I'm not the one to gossip, but just hear me out. <laughs> if you're real spiritual, you'll, you'll let people know while you're praying. Dear God, I pray for Susie. God, I know she's new to, to church and she's new to to you, but Jesus, you know what she struggles with. You know what she said to me the other day about that, and God, you know that on the weeknights, she's partying it up. God, we pray for her. So, so we respond to offense. We, we blow up. We begin to share it with other people. Or 
I think, and this is where I believe that we should all live in this realm. Again, going to that person. Let, don't let your hurt, don't let your hurt go unintended. Let them know, hey, you walked past me the other day and I took it as you hating me. Sometimes when you say it out loud, it just kind of seems ridiculous too. So maybe that could be a fourth one. Just vo voice it out and, and see how it sounds. And if you laugh at it, then it's probably you can let it go. I'm just kidding. But listen, I just want you to know this morning that, that community is vital to where you are at as a person. At school, at work, since we're in the context of church, can I just say that community is vital at church? That we are all not perfect, 100%, and we will get it wrong 95% of the time. But we need each other. And the only way that it works is if we're unified with one another. And the only way that we're unified is if we learn to face our frustrations and our selfishness in our offense so that we can grow together so that whatever God has placed inside of you that that person sitting next to you can call it out we need each other community it's vital it's vital to where God wants to take you. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.